Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. I'm just kidding. 25 years old. 25, her 25th birthday. Praise the Lord. Well, you guys, I'm excited for the other reason is I'm going to preach a message to you that, honestly, it's been stirring in me for, shoot, since January. When I started this year out, if you were here or you were watching online, you know, something that we do is we pray and fast as a church and we try to go into each year with specific word, specific direction, specific vision from the Lord. And one thing that the Lord spoke to me so clearly back in November was we were entering into, and I heard it so clear, it was so strange, but I heard the era of the kingdom. And so how the Lord explained this to me is, you know, throughout history, you have different kingdom, different eras. Like, you know, you had the Stone Age. What was the Stone Age? Basically, it was a time defined by when people started using stones or the Iron Age, the Bronze Age. I don't, I don't know, you know, I guess they started building stuff with iron and bronze. But anyways, that time was, was kind of categorized by those characteristics. And the Lord spoke to me and said, we're coming into a season where you're going to see the characteristics of the kingdom being the defining thing in this time that you're moving into, you're going to see these things that Jesus said about the kingdom just happening rapidly in believers' lives, just exploding. Uh, and so I came into the new year preaching about the kingdom, and then the Lord took us in a different direction for a few months. And so this morning, I'm actually coming back to the message that I've been wanting to preach to you guys for like three months now. So hopefully, hopefully I get it out this morning. Amen. So when I say about the kingdom, you have to understand a few things. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures. First, Colossians 1.13, if you have your Bible. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4 a lot this morning. So get ready to turn to Mark 4. We're going to be flipping all through Mark 4. But Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom. Can you say kingdom? kingdom. Of his dear son. So the Bible says when you got born again, God actually transferred you into a kingdom or into the kingdom. Amen. Let me show you Philippians 3.20. It says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're a citizen now of the kingdom. Can you say the kingdom? You're a citizen of the kingdom. You live in the kingdom. You may live on this earth. You may live in the United States of America. But just like Jesus said, you know, he literally said, if you see miracles happening among you, you know the kingdom has arrived. The kingdom, there will be a physical kingdom one day that Jesus comes back to set up a new heavens, a new earth, a new city. But right now, we, we exist. People don't understand this. You're not just a, a, a flesh suit. You have a spirit. Can you say spirit? spirit? You have a soul. Can you say soul? And you live in a body. This actually, you know, you are a spirit. This is just your home. This is just your little flesh suit. Amen. And I'm not saying your body doesn't matter. It does matter. But my point is we get so fixated and wrapped up 
in the physical right here, right now, what I can see, feel, and sense. And that's not the kingdom that we also right now live in. Amen. So you live in the kingdom. And so I think a lot of people are frustrated because just like anything else, the kingdom has specific laws. If I were to go to Germany or Europe, say Europe, and start trying to drive on the right side of the road, what would happen? I would get frustrated. Amen. For you guys that don't know, they don't drive on that side of the road. In Europe, they drive on the opposite side. I always watch the movies, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I would, I, would have, I would have been dead 24 hours in there. I don't know how they do that. But you understand what I'm saying. Europe, for instance, has certain laws, has certain rules. It's a, it's a, it's a country that you, ha in order to be successful in that place, you need to learn how they operate. The laws of that kingdom, amen. And so the frustration is a lot of Christians, they get brought into this kingdom, and now you're living in this kingdom, but you don't know how this kingdom works. You don't know how this kingdom operates. You don't know the laws of this kingdom. You don't know how to, you know, make things happen in this kingdom. So you come into Christianity with like a, a Texas or American mindset, and things don't work, and then we end up getting frustrated, amen. So the Lord told me we're coming into a time. This is the era of the church. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus actually predicted that, that there would be these signs that took place, these, these end time in the last days. We would see wars. We would see plagues. We'd see famines. But he also said in Matthew 24 that we would see great revival. He said that you will see the message of the gospel. It will go out to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. Amen. So I'm telling you, we're, we're coming into a season, into a time where this is not, you know, some poor little us pity party. This is going to be the greatest time to be alive for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see these defining characteristics of the kingdom. And so if, if, we, if we don't know what that means, we're going to miss it. Amen. Are you with me? So are you in Mark 4, 26 through 32? I want to teach you because Jesus actually taught us about the kingdom. He said many things about the kingdom. He gave us stories. He gave us parables. He gave us insights of how all of this works. Amen. Mark 4, 26 through 32. Let's go ahead and read that. It says, man, I almost started in the wrong chapter again. I did that Wednesday night. I was reading in Matthew like for 15 minutes, like what is going on? Did I write the wrong verse down? And you're in the wrong book. <laughs> Jesus said the kingdom of God, can you say the kingdom, is like a farmer who scatters seed. Can you say seed? On the ground. So we're going to lay down a foundational principle in just a moment, but I want you to hold on to that. The kingdom of God, the kingdom is like a farmer who scattered seed on the ground. Night and day while he's sleeping or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First, the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Everything in the kingdom starts in seed form. Here's one law that you need to understand that if, if we could get this thing, 
it would help us with a lot of our frustrations. Everything. Can you say everything? Everything in the kingdom starts out in seed form. And I'm going to completely explain what that means. So if you're confused, just hold on a second. Every, say it one more time. Everything. Everything starts out in seed form, like a seed. Jesus said, he said the kingdom is like the mustard seed. He said the kingdom is like the, the growing seed, another parable. He said the kingdom is like a farmer scattering seed. And so we have to understand how the kingdom operates. Everything in the kingdom starts out in seed form. You need to understand this. Your faith starts out in seed form. What is a seed? A seed isn't a full-grown plant. It's something that has to be planted and it has to be cultivated. And then in time, it produces a harvest. It grows and begins to work and produce in your life. Every, there, so basically what I'm trying to say is there's no bypassing this. Amen. There's no bypassing seed beginning in the kingdom. Everything starts out in seed form. Your faith starts out in seed form. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans, it says that each man is given a measure of faith. So let me just paint a little picture for you. It's like when you got saved, or imagine 10 of us, we all respond to the same message. You know, Billy Graham preaches a, 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 an awesome evangelical message. We come up, we get saved. The Lord takes a cup of faith, one cup, measures it off to the top, scrapes it, dumps it on each person. You get one cup. But what does the Bible say? What do you have to, you can't just stay with that faith. You have to increase your faith. Did you know you can increase your faith? The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus told us if we had faith, there would, nothing would be impossible for us. You know that there's actually a level of faith that we can arise to where not one single thing is impossible for us. Jesus wasn't just being metaphorical. Literally, he cursed a fig tree, and then they watched it the next day. They came, and it had shriveled up and died. And they were like, oh, my gosh, how did you do that? How did you just speak to that thing, and now it's dead? And he goes on to tell them, if you had faith, if put your faith in God, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you could speak to this mountain, command it to be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And if you believe those things which you say, you shall have the things that you say. Mark 11, 22 through 24. So there's actually a level of faith where nothing's impossible for us. I think about the leper that comes to Jesus and says, you know, he's, he had a severe case. Can you think of, say severe. severe. Some translations say that, you know, severe. He didn't just have some spots. Leprosy was a disease that you know, ate your skin away. I mean, this guy was probably missing hand. He probably had nubs, you know. It was really bad. It was severe. And he came to Jesus and said, if you're willing, he says, I am willing. It, or another man came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you're able, he says, what do you mean if I'm able? Nothing is impossible, Mark 9, 23, for the person who believes. Hallelujah. So everything in the kingdom starts out. In seed form, this will help you because so many people, they hear the word and then they wonder why they're not moving mountains. You have, yes, you receive faith, but now you have to cultivate that faith. You have to grow that faith. You, you're only going to receive according to your level of faith. Amen. So if you want to be able to receive more, what does that mean? We need more faith. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You know, in our lives, when we're seeing an area of lack, that's just a sign that we need to grow our faith in that area. Because God's given us all things. The Bible says in Christ, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What does that mean? All things that pertain to life on this earth, he's already given to us in Christ. You know, God's already given you provision. You don't actually have to beg God to provide for you. He's already given you provision. It's in Christ. So, God, I want you to give me this. Please help. I've already given it to you. In Jesus Christ, the finished work. Ephesians 1, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We have the blessing of Abraham, Galatians chapter 3. We have all these things that have been given to us. So it's not a matter of God giving them, giving us something. He's given it to us. It's a level of us believing, therefore receiving the things that Christ has appropriated to us. Are you with me? So everything in the kingdom starts out in seed form. Your faith starts out in seed form. The Bible says the word of God goes forth like a seed, the parable of the sower. Every time that I get up here and preach this word, it's like in the spirit, seed is being scattered all over the room. That seed's going to go forth, and some of your hearts, it's going to permeate, and if you water it, if you tend it, if you continue to dig into the word and feed it and cultivate it, it will grow and produce a tree in your life. Are you with me? Revelation starts in seed form. You know, most of the time that the Lord speaks something to me, it's not just like, like I'm out there praying and the Lord just like wrote a chapter of a book, you know, I'm not like Moses, I guess, and, and handed it to me. It's like a word. The Lord will speak a word. I'll hear one little thing and it's the seed that's deposited in me. And then what happens, I begin to start digging into this little thing, this little whisper the Lord put in my ear, going into the word. And then revelation starts to come and that seed begins to grow and it begins to grow and it begins to grow until it begins to produce fruit in my life. Are you with me? So the foundational thing we need to understand, everything in the kingdom starts in seed form. Can you say amen? amen. I know this is a little different this morning. Just kind of teaching something, but I'll do my best. Amen. So you need to understand this. There's no transplanting in the kingdom. What do I mean by transplanting? You know, you can't go over to Lowe's. And get you an apple tree that's already got some little apples and stuff on it. And just take it out there and dig a hole and put it in the hole. And then there you go in a couple years. Everything starts in seed form. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but what am I trying to say, guys? We get frustrated because we don't understand the process of how things work in the kingdom. We're wanting some big tree right now. We're wanting this thing to happen right now, and that's not the way that it works in the kingdom. Everything starts in seed form. Are you with me? You know, people are like, oh, they took up an offering. I put $5 in the offering, and I'm not a millionaire yet. I don't, it's been a whole week, and I haven't seen a $5,000 return yet on that $5 offering that I put it, we, we don't understand. I'm not telling you not to believe for that. That's great. It's wonderful. It's biblical to believe. But you have to understand, even that it, went, it started as a seed. You don't eat fruit from a seed. You eat fruit from a tree. Are you with me? So we need to understand how this works in the kingdom because it will save us a lot of frustration. Everybody loves Psalms chapter 1, and it's my favorite verse, one of them. 
I'm I love it so much I'm actually naming my new child, our baby that's coming off of this verse. Her name's going to be Oakland River because Psalms 1. I'll read it to you. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Look at this. They are like trees. Can you say trees? Planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. That's why we're naming our daughter that. I'm prophesying. I'm putting it in the ground right now. Hey, she's going to be like a tree planted by the river who bears fruit in each season, who prospers in everything that she does, whose leaves never wither. Everybody loves that. I love that. But you have to understand, we all want to be this tree that's just like, man, it's just never dry. It's like everything, there's just constant, constant fruit. It's happening. You're producing. You're rocking. You're rolling. You're moving. That's wonderful. But you have to understand, when you got saved, you didn't become that tree in mature form. You became that tree in seed form. You could look at that and think, man, I've been at this for a month. I've been at this for a little bit. How come I don't see this in my life? I'm this tree that's just plant, that's, that, that's prospering and everything planted by the river bearing fruit in each season. Because everything in the kingdom starts out in seed form and it has to grow to produce. Are you with me? And I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of myself too. This is why the devil tries to get people to quit. Give up. That's why the Bible, you know, I'm telling you, one of the biggest tactics of the devil is discouragement. Getting people discouraged. If he can get you discouraged, he can get you to quit. He can get you because you're sitting here expecting to be in this harvest season, this big oak, this big tree that's producing all this fruit. But it's coming. It's not that you're not that tree. It's that you're in seed form, and it's growing, and it's developing. And the devil wants you to get discouraged of where you're at right now. Are you with me? And then what happens? You quit, and then everything's canceled out. That's why the Bible tells us, I'll never forget the day that I saw this, in, in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord commanded. Can you say commanded? He told Joshua, be strong. Do not be afraid. Do not. Can you say do not? Be discouraged. That's a command from God. Amen. I mean, we, and I'm, I'm telling you, God cares when we're discouraged. God comforts us. He helps us. But we just take things so lightly. I remember the day that I saw that, the Lord said, look, I'm not telling you that verse so you can run around and get discouraged all the time and then come coddle up in my lap and I'll just, you know, pet you like a lamb, like Jesus stroking the lamb, you know, the picture that we have of Jesus. No, he's saying, I'm telling you that because you need to protect yourself from discouragement because that's how the devil gets people to quit. Are you with me? And the reason we get frustrated and discouraged is because we don't understand how the kingdom works. Everything starts out in seed form. Are you all with me? Hallelujah. Let's look at. Let's look at uh, Mark 4, 26 through 29. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Mark 4, let's look at 26 through 29. 
We just read it. Let's read it again. I want to pull something else out of this. So the first point, everything in the kingdom starts in seed form. I didn't write this down, but here's a, a, a point, just an extra. Say, there is a process. Can you say process? So look at Mark 4, 26 to 29. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's sleeping or he is awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces crop on its own. First, can you say first? So the Bible actually gives us an insight how this works, just like planting a seed. You know, you don't, it's not like Jack and the Beanstalk. You don't plant a seed and the next day you come out and there's this thing shooting up into heaven. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then, can you say then? The head of wheat is formed. And then finally, can you say finally? The grain ripens, and as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. You see the word first, and then you see this. So first this happens, then this happens, finally this happens. There is a process. Hallelujah. Maybe sometimes, I'm telling you, we get discouraged because we're in the first or we're in the then and we're not in the finally yet and we're sitting here wondering, why isn't this seeming to work for me? There is a process. Don't be discouraged. As soon as the grain is ready, you will receive the harvest of the seed that you have sown. As soon. Can you say as soon? Say my harvest is coming. Say my harvest is coming. Hallelujah. Look at Gal uh, sorry, Genesis 8:22. Here's a law of the kingdom. While the earth remains, so shall seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. He say seed, say time, say harvest. So what's in between seed and harvest? Time. Well, you know, I've never seen that before, but I was just studying yesterday looking at this, and I saw that. I said, you know what? We need to break these things up. There's three separate. There's seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. There's a process. Amen. Are you all still with me? I heard this. This was funny. This was hilarious. I asked, uh, no, it was Jerry Savelle. He was on an a, uh, interview, and they asked him, or he asked his wife. They were interviewing him. He was trying to make a point, and he said, you know, what's that, what's that little space in between sowing and reaping? And his wife picked off her shoe and threw it at the camera, and she said, that's called hell. <laughs> she threw it at her camera. He was trying to make a point. Time, the word time, seed, time, and harvest. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at Luke 8:15. It says the seed that fell on good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it. Can you say cling to it? There's a process here. The word everything, guys, for healing in your life. Do you know healing starts as a seed? You know, God doesn't just snap his finger and then you're healed. Even Jesus went around preaching and teaching. 
Jesus went around preaching and teaching, and, and, and he, you know, Luke chapter 4 would say that he stood up and says, look, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. One of the things he said, that the deaf will hear, the blind will see, the captives will be released. He preached and taught healing to them before he ever healed them. Everything starts out in seed form. Everything. Can you say everything? Everything starts out in seed form. So it, for God, you have to get that revelation of the word. And faith comes by hearing the word. So we preach on these things. We preach about what God's will is for you to prosper. God wants to prosper you. It's in the Bible. Hallelujah. Jesus said, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have life more abundantly. And actually, prosperity, we're going to talk about this. People get it all mixed up. So you're just trying to tell me that if I just had enough faith, I would be rich. No, I'm trying to tell you that if you would learn how seed time and harvest work, you would be rich. We would all be rich. It's true. Are you with me? But everything starts as a seed. Everything. Say it one more time. Say everything. everything. So you have to hear God's word, and but then look what it says. Cling to it. Can you say cling to it? So you can't just hear the word of God and then walk out and say, well, that was a nice little speech. You know, that was really cute. That was really nice. You have to cling to God's word. If you look at the Greek word used here, it literally means to hold hostage. That's the language that you have to, when God drops something in your spirit, you can't just be casual about it. You've got to grab a hold of it and say, I am not letting this thing go. Amen. You have to hear the word, you have to cling to it, and then look at this, and patiently, can you say patiently? Patiently produce a harvest. So say time. There's seed, there's time, there's harvest, but that's not what we think. We think there's seed and then boom, there's harvest. That's not the way that it works. There is a process. Are y'all with me? Look at Galatians 6, 7. It says, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. Always. Can you say always? always. When you get faith and you begin to believe this, it is impossible for me to sow seed and not receive my harvest. I will always harvest what I plant, but I want to tell you that works good and bad. Do you know the entire kingdom works on seed time and harvest? The entire kingdom. Think about what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. Is God concerned about how you treat other people? Yes, but God also loves you. That's why he told you to do it. Are you with me? Do you know why? Because there's this law in the kingdom. You will always reap what you sow. If you go around treating other people like crap, you're going to be treated horribly your whole life. You go around doing people wrong, you're going to reap what you sow. Jesus set this whole thing up. Everything works by seed time, by harvest. You will always reap what you sow. So if we can control our seed, then what? We can control our future. Amen. 
Another law that Jesus or the Lord established in the Bible, it says, a seed produces according to its kind. Are you with me? You can't sow time and reap financial blessing. You can sow time and reap time. I mean, I mean, you even think about Christians and tithing, right? Well, the tithe, some people tithe their money. Some people tithe their time. Some people tithe their talents. Now, you can sow your talent, and you'll get a harvest of, you know, something to do with your talent. A seed produces according to its kind. Are you with me? You will always reap what you sow. Every, can you say everything? Everything, everything is starts in the kingdom is seed. Everything. The way that you treat people is a seed. The money that you give, 2 Corinthians 9, we'll look at it at the end, is a seed, Paul said. Your faith is a seed. It starts out like a, you have to deposit your seed. Everything starts as a seed, and you will reap what you sow. Hallelujah. You know, that'll get, that'll get me encouraged because when I sow good seed, and I'm in that time, I'm in the, okay, there's... There's sowing and there's reaping and then there's this little in-between thing where I have to cling to God's word and patiently produce a harvest. It gets me encouraged because I say I know the word of God. I will reap from the seeds that I have sown and I have sown good seed into the ground. Hallelujah. Say my harvest is coming. If you're a seed sower, if you, if you, you know, if you just casually live in life, grab a hold of this today. Y'all with me? Look at Galatians 6, 9. And Paul understood this, why people get discouraged. There's a process. We just want everything to happen now. We want everything to be yesterday. We want everything to be five minutes ago. And that's really the microwave generation that we live in. Guys, I love technology. It's great. It's helped a lot of people. What was I watching? I was watching like a country western movie last night. And... uh. These two little girls got this cough. I don't know what it was. Back in the 1930s, they got this horrible cough, and they like, like, sound like they're about to die. And I was like, man, just thinking, like, obviously, I, I, I believe in, in healing. I walk in divine health. I believe all of that. But for other people, you know, that's scary. I'm like, I'm glad that we live in a time where somebody's kids are like that. They could go, you know, take them to a doctor or something, get some cough syrup, and, and they don't just lay there and die. They had no options. So technology is great. But what has it produced? It's produced this instant gratification mindset in us. That's not how the kingdom works. There's so much right now in our society that is so opposite to how the kingdom works. You know, you, you, want, you want to eat dinner. You know, back in the day, it says that a woman would spend 40 hours a week just making meals for her family. Can you imagine that? Going out there, getting the chicken, slap, you know, Breaking the chicken's neck, having to cook everything from scratch, a full-time job. Nowadays, what do you do? You drive up to Sonic, you push a button, and you swipe your card? Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Amen. I mean, we do it, but I'm just saying. There's this instant gratification. This microwave mentality, we want everything to happen like five minutes ago. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Are you with me? Say, I will eat the fruit of the seed that I sow. So Paul was saying in Galatians 6, 9, 
he says, let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Can you say just the right time? You have to understand this. There is a harvest season. There is a harvest season. Every season, I want you to get this, every season's not a harvest season. It's not. Every season's not a harvest season. I wish that it was. I would like to believe that it was. But as I read through the Gospels, Jesus even said so many things, so many different things. There is a season. There's a kairos moment, a harvest time. And sometimes I feel like we're sitting here because we have this instant, why isn't this thing happening? Why isn't this working? I feel like the Lord told me to do one thing. I, I feel like God led me to do this thing, to do that thing. I'm not seeing the result. When you're standing in July thinking that you should be getting the fruit of November or October, there is a harvest season. Amen. Are you with me? Don't get tired of doing good at just the right time. We will. Can you say we will? Yeah. Reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Hallelujah. And I feel like Christians get discouraged. Can you say here's one key to the kingdom? Write this down. Consistency. Consistency. If you want consistent harvest, you have to sow consistent seed. Amen. You can't do something 15 years ago that the Lord told you to do. Well, you know, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about anything in the kingdom. You have to sow consistent seed to get a consistent harvest. Hallelujah. Consistent seed produces consistent harvest. I wrote this. I thought this was really good. The Lord gave this to me. Your future tomorrow can be determined by the seed you sow today. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always reap what you sow. Don't grow tired of doing good. You will reap a harvest of blessings. Say blessings. But here's the contingency. If I don't give up. So therefore, if I give up, I don't get the harvest. In order to get the harvest of the seed that I sow, I can't give up. Can you say consistency? Christians don't understand this. Everything starts in seed form. Man, I got saved. I read my Bible like three days in a row. And I just don't understand why my life just isn't completely changed yet. That's great. You read your Bible. I'm so happy you did that. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. Cons you have to cling to it. Hallelujah. You've got to sow, you've got to go, it, it's work. Can you say work? Living a life in the kingdom is amazing because faith brings you so many things. There's so many things we don't, we can't earn, but we still have to work. It takes effort sowing good seed. Hallelujah. Do you know that the Bible actually says your words are a seed? You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a man shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. You know, the Bible says in the book of James that just like a ship is led by this little rudder and just like this giant mule is led by this little bit in the mouth, so the tongue makes grand speeches. Your life is directed by the words that you speak. Every word that you speak goes into the kingdom like a seed, good or bad. You know, the Bible says the power of death and life are in the tongue. 
Every word that I speak is a seed. And I will reap what I sow. Hallelujah. So it takes work. Something that I do every day, I make confessions. I don't get discouraged where my life's not at. I speak in faith telling my life where, where to go biblically. Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty four. you can ask, you can pray for anything. And if you believe the thing that you ask for, you shall have it. So what I'll get up and do is say, Lord, thank you. I'll speak this out. I have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I've received power from the Holy Ghost. I can lay my hands on people, cast out devils, heal the sick, impart the blessing, baptize others in the Holy Ghost. I'll say things like, everywhere that my foot touches, I will be the dominating spiritual authority. I'll say things like, I'm blessed. I'll say things like, I'm I've received my healing today. I am healed. I'll say today, sickness of any kind has lost my address. Every word that you speak goes forth like a seed that grows and produces a harvest that you will eat from, good or bad. Are you with me? So if we could learn how this works, think how we could utilize this to our benefit. Being so intentional about the seed that I sow. Hallelujah. Are y'all still with me? This is the message the Lord told me to give. I hope that some of y'all are receiving this this morning. I read my Bible twice. I'm not changed yet. That's not how the kingdom works. I gave in the offering one time five years ago, and my house didn't get paid off. That's not the way the kingdom works. Consistent seed consistently can you say consistently you know I actually saw this picture there is a season of faithfulness Jesus said this is how it works in the kingdom those who are faithful with little even more will be given so you can't even receive more until you're faithful with little you think about if I were to buy, buy a plot of land as I said everything starts out in seed form whenever I got saved I didn't just inherit Right, this big apple orchard, I, I, I go in and bam, 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 bam. I inherited the right to the land, and now there has to be seed planted on it. So you think about it. Think about the time spent in preparation. You know, there's a, a few years that it's like there's no fruit. There's no fruit. There's, I'm out here because I, I have to plant the seed in the ground in order to become a tree to get the fruit. So I'm out there and I'm working. I'm working the ground. I'm watering the trees. The first year the harvest comes. It's too small. It's not enough. So I just strip all that off and I re-sow. I replenish the soil. Second year, third year. Let me tell you, when that harvest season comes, that fourth year, that fifth year, you get an abundant harvest, a huge harvest. And you know what's so amazing is that next year, now that it's, it's, it's time to sow and it's not the harvest season, you're getting to eat still from the harvest that came in last season. But that doesn't get to happen on day one. There is a process. Are you with me? There is a process. Say, I have to be faithful. Consistency. Say, consistent. So I want to give you the second law that we want to talk about this morning. Number two, the seed will produce on its own. You just have to tend the soil. This is something that Jesus said. Look at Mark 4, 26 through 28. 
We're going to read this parable again. Jesus said, the kingdom of God's like a farmer who scattered seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he doesn't understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. Here's my point. As I said, everything works by seed time and harvest. And when you understand this, you don't have to beg God to bless you. When you understand this, how seed time and harvest work, I don't have to beg God and do this rain dance and spin around three times and do enough good things to now finally he's, he's okay with me and, and now I've received his blessing and now he'll, he'll bless me a little bit. That's not the way that it works. The ground produces on its own as long as there's seed in the ground. You can be blessed not by just trying to get God's face to turn towards you. That's stupid thinking. God's face has already turned towards you. You've already received righteousness in Christ as a free gift because of your faith. You're not trying to get God to be pleased with you. He's pleased with you. Amen. So it's not like that's how people live. I know y'all are being quiet, but that's how people think. Like, I'm just at odds with God. I haven't done enough. And if I want him to bless me, I need to cry. I need to get down on my knees. And I need to beg him. And if God sees these tears rolling, he'll feel bad. And he'll move his hand in my direction. That's not the way that it works in the kingdom. We've talked about this many times in this church. God's hand isn't moved by tears. God's hand is moved by faith. Faith moves God's hand. Hallelujah. So here's my point. You can be blessed by the seed that you sow based off of the law of God's word. You don't have to beg God. Amen. The seed will produce on its own. You just have to tend the soil. Can you say tend the soil? So what does that mean? Look at Mark 4, 16 through 20. Hallelujah. And I've always wondered that. You know, I've listened to great men of God like Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis. These are great men. Great men of God. Many more. Ola Roberts, T.L. Osborne. You know what's funny? They all said the same thing. I don't pray for God to bless me. You know why? They didn't have to. You know why? Because they ate the fruit from the seed that they sowed consistently for years and for years and for years and for years. And you go in and you start serving the Lord and you do it consistently. You sow that seed for five years, ten years. You don't have to beg God to bless you. Just based off of his word, you will eat the harvest of the seed that you sowed. Your future will be determined by the seed that you sow today. And also you need to understand this. You're not eating the seed that you sowed five minutes ago. It doesn't work that way. You're eating the seed that you sowed a year ago. You're eating the seed that you sowed last season. You're eating from the seed that you sowed a month ago. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all still with me this morning? Mark 4, 16 through 20. So Jesus in Mark 4, I love Mark 4 because it's, it's all about the kingdom. He's teaching us how the kingdom works. The seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. So hold on a second. Let me back up. Jesus is teaching about sowing. 
He says that God goes out and he starts sowing this seed. And we just heard this principle. You don't have to make the seed produce. The seed will produce. But here's the thing that you have to be aware of, the soil that it's landing in. So you don't have to beg God, God, bring me my harvest. God, please make this seed grow. Please make good things happen to me. No, if you can keep your life clean, keep your garden clean, the seed will produce on its own. So he says, seed that fell on rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy. Can you say immediately? But what did Jesus say? They had to receive it, cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest. So what did this person do? They, they heard the word. They loved it. Praise God, I heard that faith message. That's amazing. And it is. I am so excited. I'm jumping up and down. I feel like I could just run a mile. This is just so amazing. And it says, but they didn't have deep roots. They didn't last long. They fell away as soon as they had problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So Colossians chapter 2 interprets this for us. It says, just as you've received Christ, you must now continue, say continue, to follow him. So a lot of people never, never get this blessing in their life. They never get what the Bible promises us in our, in our life because they received Christ, but they didn't do step two. Continue to follow him. Following Jesus has literally got to be a decision that you make. I have decided to follow Jesus, just like the old song says. No turning back. No turn. I've left the world behind. This is a decision that I'm making now before I ever even get into other circumstance. You know, I made a decision to set my, my life apart to the Lord. Me and my wife did. Where a couple years ago, I mean, I remember, you know, we grew up in Dallas culture and just wacky stuff. Christians believe some crazy stuff sometimes. There was actually a season where, you know, and I'm telling you the God honest truth, you go to Dallas, they tell you stuff. Like, right, you're a Christian, you just drink, that's just part of it, you just have a good old time. That's okay, that's fun. We believe that. We really did, because that's what we, that's how it was. That's how everybody was. That's how your teachers, your professors, that's how everybody lived. That's not the Bible. But I remember a couple of years ago, we made the decision, we got the revelation. The Lord said, consecrate, get, get rid of all of that junk. Get, get rid of it. So we made the decision. That day, this is, we're going to follow Jesus, and this is how we're going to follow Jesus. So I'm telling you, you make the decision beforehand. You don't wait, oh, somebody calls you up and says, hey, let's go, you know, let's go grab drinks. No. Oh, well, let me just pray about it. I don't need to pray about it. I've already made the decision beforehand. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, that means that I'm going to live this certain kind of way. That means I'm going to do these certain things. That will keep you. Amen. That will keep you on a path. The Bible says mark a path for your feet and don't get sidetracked in the book of Proverbs. Does the Bible say God will mark a path for your feet? Well, he did in his word, but you have to mark the path that your feet are going to walk on. This is who I'm going to be. This is what, who, what I'm going to do. This is not who I'm going to be. This is not what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to compromise. I am going to pursue Jesus. Just as you've received Christ, now you must continue to follow him, the Bible says. And then the, in Colossians 2, it says, and then your roots will grow down deep. Amen. Are you with me? 
So they fell away because they didn't have deep roots, because they didn't cling to the word. They didn't do anything after they heard the word. And I want to tell you, I know so many people that do that. They hear the word of God, it touches them, it moves them, and then they do nothing with it after that. They just leave it. Every word that you hear. Can I tell you, if you've came to this church and you've gotten hands laid on you, I've heard testimonies. People have gotten healed. People have gotten delivered. I've went other places, conferences, ministers, gotten hands laid, got healing, received something from the Lord. I can't just leave there and then just live the rest of my life and like not think again about it. Amen. God touches you. But then what do I need to do? If I want to walk in that healing five years from now, I need to get into this word and figure out what it says about it and let my roots grow down deep in this area. Hallelujah. Man, one time I was at this place, and I hear testimonies all the time, and the Lord moved on my heart to, to give to this ministry, and I gave, and I saw this immediate return. And could, that's wonderful, that's amazing, but you're still telling that as your only story 15 years later. That's not continual fruit. Are you with me? You have to get into this word and let your roots grow down deep into it. And then it will produce fruit. So it says, they didn't have deep roots, so they didn't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Can I tell you, if you don't know this word, you're going to fall away the second something happens. The second the devil blows the wind on your life, you're going to just compromise. You're going to quit. You're going to run screaming, kicking, and crying, whining. You've got to know this word and get it on the inside of you. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7? Those who hear my word and do it are like somebody who builds their life on the rock. Though the wind blows, the flood waters, the torrents rise, they will not be moved. They shall, be, they, shall stand, they shall remain standing. But those who hear this word and don't do it, you're like somebody that builds your life on the sand. Amen. The second the wind blows, falls apart. So it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly... The message is crowded out by the worries of life. So I made this point. You don't have to make the seed grow. You just have to tend the garden that the seed's being planted in. You have to tend your life, cultivate certain things in your life, because the Bible says there are things that we allow in our life that it doesn't matter how good the seed is, it will kill the seed from growing. Look at the specific things. We just went over number one. If you're shallow... Say shallow. I know a lot of shallow Christians. Amen. We minister, I mean, guys, I'm not saying it out of condemnation. I know a lot of Christians that have been to church. I've met them on the streets witnessing to them. They said, I've been to church for 25 years, and they still don't even know what they believe or why they believe it. Hey, you know, have you received the Holy Ghost? Are you talking about that speaking in tongues stuff? Well, no, but I mean, yeah, like while we're at it, let's talk about speaking in tongues. Jesus said, Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe. One of those signs, they will speak in new languages. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, they got baptized the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues. Acts chapter 10, Paul preached to the, or Peter preached to the Gentiles. 
received the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues. Acts chapter 19, Paul finds some believers that hadn't received the Spirit, lays his hands on them. They speak in other tongues. You show people the Bible. Well, that's not what my preacher said we believe. Shallow. Can you say shallow? Shallow Christianity. Know what you believe and why you believe it. I want to... You know what? Everybody's entitled to your opinion, but it drives me crazy. If we had a discussion and you completely disagree with what I think and what I say, that's wonderful. But back it up with the Bible. Who cares? Well, this is what I always grew up thinking. I grew up thinking a lot of crazy stuff, too. Only thing that matters is the Bible. Amen. Because this is the only thing that works. So you can't be shallow didn't have deep roots. And it says the message was crowded out, the second thing, by the worries of this life. Can you say worry? You know, we think about worry. Christians are some of the most worried people I've ever met in my life. Worried about everything. Always worried. Always anxious. Full of anxiety. Worry will literally cut you off from receiving any kind of harvest in your life. You know, Jesus doesn't think worrying's cute. When we read Matthew chapter 6, he literally tells them, look at the birds, look at the flowers, look at the lilies. Doesn't your father care more about you? And then what does he say? Why do you have such little faith? He was marveling at their unbelief. That's not a cute thing. That wasn't a good thing. That wasn't like, you know, him pinching him on the cheek. Oh, it's okay. You're just a bunch of worried little, you know. No. He expects us to have faith. He expects us to grow in our faith. Hallelujah. Worry. Worry is horrible. You don't have any reason to worry. Just believe. Say, just believe. Just seek first the kingdom of God and all else. And live righteously. All these other things will be added unto you, the Bible says. So you're, you mean to tell me literally if I just like follow Jesus and have faith that he'll provide for my needs? Yes. Literally, if I can't be any more simple, God will provide for all your, all your needs. That's like basic Christianity. That was the first lesson he taught the disciples when he sent them out. Sent them out, 72 of them out. Sent them out in groups of two to the cities. What did he say? Don't take a walking stick. Don't take sandals. Don't even take extra clothes with you. Go to the city and, and basically let people bless you. And then what, did he, what was he teaching them? Showing them how the Lord would provide for them when they were obedient to do what he said. Did they come back whining, you know, all banged up, messed up? They came back jumping, rejoicing. Saying, oh my gosh, we did what you said and it worked. Even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. God, say, God will provide for me. Say, I have no reason to worry. There's not one problem that's too big that God can't get you out of. There's not any amount of debt that's too big for the Lord to get you out of. Hallelujah. If you believe, nothing is impossible if you have faith. So he says, the worries of this life, look at this, the lure of wealth. Can you say money hungry? Jesus said, if you're money hungry, you literally will not ever be able to receive the harvest of even good seeds that you've sowed. Jesus said it, in fact, in the same chapter, Mark chapter 6. 
you cannot, a person can't have two masters. You'll love one, you'll hate the other. You cannot love the Lord, serve the Lord, and be a slave to money, the Bible says. Say, I'm not a slave to money. Money is, no, money is just, it's an inanimate object. It's, it doesn't, it's not even alive. It's just something that we use to make transactions. Like that's so small for God. God can give you money. God's got no problem with giving his children money. God's got a problem with his children being covetous. Is that the right word, covetous or covetous? What's the right word? Be, coveting things, amen. Y'all with me? Being money hungry. Well, that's what you live for. I just live for the dollar. My peace is controlled by my money. My joy is controlled by my money. The decisions, I'll tell you right now. Truly, let's just strip it back. You can determine who your master is, is what is your decisions based off of? Do I only do what I feel like makes sense, what I can afford to do? or do I? You know why statistically like 90-something percent of Christians don't tithe? Because they're a slave to money. Well, I'm poor. Well, God's not expecting you to give a million dollars when you make 1600 bucks a month. The Lord's expecting you to give $160. Amen. Well, I, that just doesn't make sense. To, well, look, that's where faith comes in. I live by faith. I'm going to take what God said in his word, despite the logical circumstance that it seems that I may be in, and I'm going to do what he said. It's just very simple. If your decisions are determined by the dollar, you're a slave to money. Amen. I'll tell you, our church is not a slave to money. If we were a slave to money, I wouldn't say half of the things that I say, I promise you. It makes some people mad. But oh well, I serve the Lord. Amen. So he says, the lure of wealth, can I have you all for a few more minutes, I have one more point, the desire for other things. So it says, the seed fell among the thorns, which represents those who hear God's words, but all too quickly the message was crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire of other things. So no fruit, can you say no fruit? So no fruit is produced. That person didn't get a little harvest, that person got no harvest. You need to get with these things and get these things out of your life radically. Amen. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Get the love of money out of your life. Get worry out of your life. Get shallowness out of your life. Are you with me? Get the desire. Can you say the desire for other things? It's pretty broad. If I have a desire for other things, I'm not going to produce a harvest. That's what Jesus said. That's why he said the first law, love the Lord your God with all. Can you say all? My mind. Say my mind. Say my soul. Say my strength. Say with everything. Love the Lord with everything in you. I'm going to use my energy. I'm going to devote myself to the Lord. I'm going to, and here's the thing, because the thing, when you start putting other things in front of God, you've cut yourself off. God hasn't cut you off. You've cut yourself off. Amen. 
I tell you how many times I, I'm like, y'all, when I grew up, and I'm not even old, I'm like 25 years old, but even just like 10 years ago, we did not play sports on Wednesdays and Sundays. That was like a given. Like coaches understood those are church days. We don't have games on those days. We don't do things on those days. Nowadays, I run into kids left and right that are like, I can't come to church on Wednesday. My church, you know, my coach is having practice at 630. I can't come to church on Sunday morning. We're having traveling teams, so we have practice at 1030 in the morning. I'm like, who the heck is your coach? Lucifer? I mean, like, who does that? Like, that's stupid. Can you say stupid? You're really, like, literally, you're telling me God actually expects me to shelve some of these things? Yes. He actually expects you to listen to him and shelve some of these things. Like the Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect assembling together, especially now as the end draws near, as some people do. You know, when people got saved in the early church, it says they devoted themselves to what? Fellowship, prayer, sharing in the Lord's Supper, and the apostles' teaching. You say fellowship? fellowship? This is a time of fellowship, but this is also a time of teaching. So what does that mean? When they became Christians, they made a decision. Can you say a decision? This is what I'm talking about, clinging to the word. They made a, a decision beforehand. These things dominate my life now. That If the believers are gathering, I'm there. If, if our leader is teaching the word of God, I'm there. Anything else that comes into conflict with that comes in second place. That's how the early church lived. Amen. Wow, the Lord really expects me, yet the Lord really does expect you. Well, how many of you know, you know, uh, the church just isn't a building. You're right. The church is the body. All of the, That's us together. You're not the church by yourself. Say, I'm not the church. We are the church. Well, how many of you know the Bible says I am the church? No, it says actually we are the church. If you're connect, disconnected from we, amen, you're in disobedience. Are you with me? Are you all still with me this morning? The desire for other things so no fruit is produced. And it says, but the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much had been planted. If you will sow good seed and sow it consistently and keep your life clean, you will reap a harvest that's 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as the seed that you sow. So that doesn't mean you got to dance around and do this rain dance to get God's blessing. No. Keep your hands clean. Keep sin out of your life. That's why the book of Hebrews in, in chapter 12, verse 1. Let us now strip off every sin that entangles us and the weight that holds us back. The Lord's not holding you back. Most of the time, we're holding ourselves back by the junk that we're holding onto in our lives that's hindering the Lord's blessing and harvest coming forth in our life. Say, keep my hands clean. That's like why the devil attacks righteousness. Churches don't want to preach about righteousness anymore. Let's just tell everybody you get saved and then who cares what you do the rest of your life. Doesn't matter how you, doesn't matter what you say. 
Yeah, that's why we have weak Christians. That's why we have defeated churches. That's why when COVID-19 happened, we had like, what, 93, 95% of churches shut their doors? Crazy. Can you say crazy? Crazy. That's why we have a bunch of skeptical Christians that we've created a false religion. It's not even the Bible. Just like modern traditions that we've replaced the Bible for. Well, this is how we can live. This is what we do. This is. And then things don't work. We're not blessed. We're not healed. We're not seeing anything happen in our lives. And then we want to look at this and say, well, this can't be true because I'm not seeing it. You're not seeing it because you cut yourself off by deliberately disobeying the things Jesus Christ told us to do and not to do. Are you with me? So the key, sow seed, keep your soil clean, cultivate a life that is an incubator for the seed, for kingdom seed. Create a life that you're like, if seed falls in my life, I have a lifestyle that literally just incubates the seed of the kingdom in my life. Amen. Number three, let's get over this last point. Number three, write this down. In the kingdom, it starts small and grows big. Can you say small? This is what Jesus said in Mark 4, 30 through 32. How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest, say the smallest. The smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. Everything in the kingdom, it says, starts as the smallest seed, but it grows to become the largest in the entire garden. I'm telling you guys, I prophesy it right now. We are coming into a time, you're going to see this notably take place in believers' lives. Believers that, look, maybe you stood alone. I've done things that were counterculture. You, you could say to yourself, I've made a stand. I feel like I've had to separate myself and be called a, a crazy lunatic for making a stand for the word of God. I'm telling you, you feel like I'm alone, I'm small. Why does it seem like everybody else just seems like they're blessed and, you know, they're doing all these other things? You're going to see a notable switch happen in this season that we're coming into. The smallest seed will become the largest in the garden. Say, that's me. That's me. Hallelujah. The Bible says the, the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for the righteous. You know, that's not talking about heaven. You know, the wicked don't have wealth in heaven. <laughs> that's talking about on earth. So there's going to be a transfer of the wealth of the wicked to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the righteous. And if you're faithful, and you've maybe started out small, but you've been faithful, you've been consistent, you stand for the word of God, I'm telling you, this transfer is going to happen to us. Say, it's going to happen to me. I receive it. Everything in the kingdom starts small. Say, start small. And grows big. In the kingdom, does it start big? No. Why do we get frustrated? Why, I'm not, just like, not just ministry, like, what, life, business. I feel like I'm doing something the Lord told me to do, and it's not, like, elevation, you know. It's not this huge, I'm not the, the biggest builder in my city yet. 
I don't have the biggest company yet in our county. I don't have everything in the kingdom starts out as the smallest seed. And then, say time. There's seed. There's time. There's harvest. It will become the largest plant in the entire garden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me give you this. And I'll actually say this. Anything that starts big, it's not generational. I was in Dr. Rodney's church, uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, this last summer. And he made a statement. He said, if you're going to build a church, build it small, start, and just take your time. Lay a solid foundation. Preach the word. Build a foundation like an expert builder in your church. He said, I can't tell you how many times I've seen. He said, I've been all over the world. I've had these young hot shots. They come up, and they're bragging. Oh, yeah, I did this meeting, and I blah, 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 blah. And he said, in 15 years, they're nowhere to be found. 30 years, nowhere to be found. 40 years, nowhere to be found. Guys, we don't just need to be thinking about now, today. We need to think generationally. A person in covenant with God thinks generationally. You know, the Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. That's, that's two generations. That's three generations. Are you with me? Anything that just, oh, man, you know, you get discouraged. Well, I feel like I'm doing the Lord, what the Lord told me to do. And I look over here, I see X, Y, Z, and it just seems like it's happening. Anything that doesn't start in the kingdom is not generational. It won't last. It won't stand. Are you with me? In fact, write this down. Anything that sprouts up too quick is shallow. The Bible says, Mark 4, 5 through 6, Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because it was shallow. You know, you just took like a toothpick and you put it that far in the dirt and you dropped a little seed. And in like four days, you started seeing it. Oh, I'm going to jump around. Look, everybody, look at me. Look how awesome I am. Look at, what I, look at my fruit, you know. It sprouted quickly because it was shallow is what Jesus said. Time, consistency, faithfulness. These are inescapable principles of the kingdom of heaven. In life, these are the last few scriptures I want to give you. In life, we have a tendency to just want to make things happen ourselves. Trust the Lord. Look what the Bible says in Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborer labors in vain, another translation says. That means you could work your, I have sweat, I've bled, I've cried, I've worked hard hours, I've done all these things. That may be true. But unless the Lord builds the house, the work is wasted. Amen. Let the Lord build your house. Let the think about your occupation, think about your business, think about your life. Let the Lord build your house. So don't, don't have a celebrity mindset. And I know you're very humble people, but I'm telling you, we get this, I just want to be seen, I just want to be heard, I just want to get to the top so that I can prove something to somebody else. Your work will be wasted. Let the Lord build your house. 
1 Peter 5, 6, humble. Can you say humble? humble? You know the key to promotion? It's not necessarily even just being the best. Maybe in the world, if you want the world to promote you, the key to promotion with the Lord. Humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And at the right, look at this, at the right time. There's a right time. He will lift you up in honor. Humble. Say humble. Be humble. Humble. Humility. Just be humble. The Lord will promote you. Amen. Zechariah 4.10, my last scripture. Do not despise. Look what, look what the Lord said through the prophet Zechariah. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I just want to isolate that one part. Do not despise these small beginnings, because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not be discouraged. Don't despise these. I'm not doing what I want to be doing in five years. Okay, that's great. Work towards it. But don't be discouraged and don't be defeated. Have faith and believe. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to sow good seed into the ground. I'm going to tend my garden. And I know the Lord will lift me up. Hallelujah. Say, I'm going up. In your job. I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And he will lift me up. I'm going to be at the top of my job. You need to be believing like that. If you're a believer, whatever occupation you're in, I'm going to the top. And if you're in an occupation where you don't want to go to the top, change. Get somewhere where you have vision to increase. God's vision is it be fruitful and multiply. Every tree, John 15, that remains in me, produce, I prune, and it produces more fruit. And when you produce much fruit, it proves you're my true disciples and brings the Father great glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody, if you will, just right where you are, lift your hands. I'm going to pray for each person right now. Father, I ask that this word would go forth today. I know it will according to the word. The seed has been scattered. Now each person has a decision to make. What am I going to do? Am I going to cling to it? Am I going to water this seed? Am I going to let this seed grow up and bring the change, bring the harvest that the Lord has intended for me? Or am I going to let it fall to the wayside? Father, right now, I ask for the Holy Ghost to speak to every person specific instructions on what they need to do in their life. Is there, if there's anything in their life that's hindering them from moving forward, if there's something you've called them to do and they have not yet been obedient, I ask for the Holy Ghost right now, speak it to them. Show them exactly what, what they need to do, exactly the decision that they need to make. Lord, and let them have faith to trust you. Father, I pray a blessing over each person in this room right now. In the name of Jesus, a, a blessing of multiplication. They're going higher. That the blessing of the Lord comes upon your house this year like you've never seen before. In Jesus' name, this will be the best year that you've ever had. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are today. Your better days are tomorrow. This is going to be the best season you've ever experienced. By the blessing of the Lord. Father, every seed that's been sowed, let it produce much fruit 30, 60, 100 times the amount that was sowed. In the name of Jesus. If you receive it, I want you to shout amen. amen. 
Hallelujah. Last thing I want to do, my ushers, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings, and I'm going to dismiss you. Hallelujah. Let me read you one thing, 2 Corinthians 9. We've been talking all about seed, the kingdom, because I've ha actually had people tell me before, like they don't, you know, when Christians call tithes and offerings seed, they're like, I don't, you know, I don't really like that. But now it helps you understand everything in the kingdom is seed, including money. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 6, he says, remember a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously, say generously, generously. will get a generous crop, and you must each decide in your heart how much to give. So obviously a law in the kingdom right there. You sow according to what you're believing to reap. You sow with the faith, knowing the word of God, I will reap the things that I sow. So I'm going to sow to a specific harvest. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So he says, if you, if you sow small seeds, that's fine, that's great, and that's wonderful, but you will get a small harvest. But if you sow generously, you will also reap generously. So it says, each of you must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Say cheerfully. cheerfully. Not be, begrudgingly. Cheerfully. Hallelujah. I love giving to the Lord. It's easy. Number one, because he's so good and he's been so faithful and he's blessed us so much that it's like taking the first thing. Look, look, Lord, this is the return of the blessing that's upon my life. I'm just going to, I just want to give it to you, number one. Number two, when you believe the word of God in regards to seed time and harvest, it becomes joyous. You become joyful to sow seed. Why? Because you know I am securing a harvest for my future. You know, I've, I've, had, I've only been able to, I've challenged myself to sow big seed. Me and my wife, every twice a year, you know, we're constantly pushing ourselves to the next level of sowing. And I keep thinking, Lord, when am I going to get to that point that like brings a tear to my eyes? The last time I did, it almost did, but only for about 30 seconds, and then faith came. And I said, Lord, I don't, why, am I, why am I even upset or sad about it? Because it hurt. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? That doesn't make sense. But you get joy because you believe what the word of the Lord says. There's a harvest that's coming back to me. You believe that. Look what the Bible says. Paul said about sowing seed. It says, then whoever sows, verse 8, God will generously provide all that you need. Say, all that I need. A seed sower has everything that they need. Hallelujah. It says, God will always, you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. If you become a person who sows seed, God, Paul said the blessing of the Lord will actually take you to a place in your life where not only will your, your needs be met, you'll have more than enough. So people will say, if you tell me, if I just have faith, I'll be rich. No, I'm telling you the Bible says that if you sow financial seed, it's impossible for you to not increase. If you'll set your faith to it. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their deeds will be remembered forever. Look at this. For God is the one who provides. Say provides. provides. Seed for the farmer and bread to eat. 
Uh, you know, people have said, well, Brother John, I would sow if I had something to give. Well, you know, it's actually not true because the Bible says that God provides seed to the sower. So if you were a sower, you would actually have something to sow. And the fact that you don't have something to sow, you're just telling people that you're not a sower. So even if you had it, you wouldn't have sowed it anyways. Amen. You still with me? Y'all still with me? It says God will provide seed for the farmer and bread to eat. And I want you guys to understand this. I don't know anything about farming. But I was listening to Oral Roberts' son, and he said when he was a little boy, they were out farming one day, and, and they had the harvest. I don't know if it was corn or what, but his, his dad or his grandfather said, hey, hold on a second. Uh, you know, you're putting all this together. This is our seed corn, and this is our eaten corn. They had them separated. Not everything was meant for eating. Amen. The Lord actually brings things into your life. It's not for your consumption. It's to be seed that's to go into the ground. Say, not everything is for me to eat. Some of it is for me to sow. Because God has a harvest in mind that he wants to bring you. So, it says, in the same way he'll provide an increase. Say, increase your resource. And then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Didn't stop there. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Hallelujah. Can you say enriched? In every way. So you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they'll thank God. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you this morning. As we're taking up our tithes and offerings, I want you to put your faith behind it. Put your faith behind it. Say, I believe. I'm securing a future with my seed this morning. Hallelujah. If you believe the things that you say, you shall have the things that you say. If you want to see the ways to give, if you're watching online, we have that on the screen. Also, if you're present, you can participate in these ways. I want you to hold your tithe, your offering, and I want to just pray over it. Let's bless it in Jesus' name, and we'll pick it up and dismiss. Father, thank you. Thank you for this seed. We just declare and acknowledge you have given us the seed that we have in our hand. You have given us every dollar that we have. You've been so faithful to us. You've shown us great mercy. You've given us grace. Every good thing comes from above, Lord. You are the Lord that has brought this blessing into our life. Now, Father, we act on your word this morning. That as we sow seed, it will go forth to produce a harvest that will increase us and enrich us in every single way. Father, we thank you for seed to sow. We thank you for bread to eat. We give you glory. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Y'all give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Everybody else, if you'll stand to your feet right where you're at. I'm going to bless you. Y'all ready? Be blessed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. I love you. God Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, Go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. 
For Cash App, use dollar sign capital N-B-C-H-T-X 20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.